How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to the Dr. Joe Show. Well, thank you, Tim. Now, before we go any further, Tim, that was really good. And now, direct from Vermont, Heather and the Kamikaze Comedy Troupe. Heather, are you on the line? I am. I'm right here. How are you? Good. And meet Tom. Tom's here, too. And Tim's in our studio, our editor. So we are just... Is your editor or producer, Tim? Producer. Producer. So Ed- Editing comes later. Editing comes later. <laughs> All right, good. So, so Heather. Yes. Welcome. Tell us a bit about... And, and uh, who, Do you have everybody there with you? I do. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi. 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 <laughs> Say hi, guys. Look... I love that. Did you see what just happened? <laughs> this is the cornerstone, right, of improvisational theater. Indeed. Yeah. And you wanted to explain a little bit about that, Heather? What is the, the foundation of improvisational theater? Yes, and. And making each other look good. Isn't that wonderful? Yep. Yes, and. And Tom's done some improv, too. A little here and there. Did it as warm-ups yeah. every now and then for uh, theater classes. Also took the level one class at Improv Asylum in the North End. There we go. Great time. So, yes, and so, so who is there with you? We've got Heather. Who else is in the room with you? It's Matt here. Hello, Matt. And, and Fox. Fox? Fox. And hello, my name is Chris. Hello, my name is Chris. All right, so who wants to start? So this is great to have all four of you here. And I, I, I tell you, I got a chance to see these folks in action just a week or so ago. Brilliant. And you guys were doing what? Short form, long form? But you said you were just warming up. You want to tell them you were in Improv Boston. There was a, a festival going on. And um, which group were you guys in? We were in... Um we were the second group where we are, our name is Kamikaze Comedy. And what we do is, is short form. Um, and most of the other, other uh, troops that were performing did long form. And basically the difference is long form generally takes one get from the audience and then we'll do, a, you know, maybe one or two things, but then we'll do a five, ten minute scene based on those suggestions where our scenes generally can be anywhere from two to five minutes long, uh, and we'll do a series of scenes, each scene getting new suggestions. We often get uh, members of the audience up onto the stage. Um, uh, you know, everything's just, you know, made up. We have a skeleton of, this, of the scene, uh, you know, it worked out in advance, uh, but the meat of it comes from the, uh, the audience and what they suggest. And it's all made up on the spot. Which is just wonderful. So what, what kind of suggestions? Let me go this. What's one of the sort of more bizarre suggestions you guys have had to uh, improvise around? I, I've had a uh, suggestion of a psychedelic tin can uh, <laughs> as uh, the, the topic of which an expert is an expert in, That's right. uh, psychedelic tin cans. And so I had to interview Matt 
uh, as the expert on psychedelic tin cans uh, on my talk show. Well, can we get a little bit of it right now? Uh, we have a, a talk show here. Uh, we have an expert uh, on uh, psychedelic tin cans, and we have uh, a man who is going to interview him who's an expert on fish. Psychedelic tin cans. That's right. Most cans aren't made of tin anymore. They're made of aluminum. So I'm really a relic. I'm kind of a dinosaur. So I like to bring back the old art of honoring and cherishing the psychedelic tin can. <laughs> well, that, now that's really interesting, Matt. Um, you know, the, the art of psychedelic tin cans has been kind of with us for, for generations now. I understand you're putting together a book. Could you tell us about that? Right. It's called Pop Top or Screw Top, I Don't Care. <laughs> Well, that, that's really fabulous. So, you know, I, I assume that, that you're going to do a book tour and be on uh, different shows like Letterman and things like that? That's right. I don't like a press tour, but I have to do it. It's part of my contract. I'd rather be sitting home with my 17 psychedelic tin cans. Mm. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us, Matt, and uh, uh, we look forward to hearing more information about psychedelic tin cans in the future. I look forward to being on the show, and please take home these samples. <laughs> this is this is wonderful. Where does imagination come in? Um, um, imagination is the the uh, primary tool. <laughs> it's it's all imagination. Um, everything we do, we create. Uh, you know, in the course of a scene, we are creating an imaginary space, and we're making that as real as we can. We're creating character and relationship on the spot. We're communicating with each other in the context of the scene to build something like that. So, you know, we're, we're using our individual and collective imaginations at the same time. It's really taxing. <laughs> and that's where the yes and comes in. Right. So anything anybody says is automatically true. And so you just agree with that, and you add something else that is also absolutely true, and suddenly you've got something. You're building your own world with its own rules. And um, it, you can draw the audience in if you're real as people. If you don't just go right for the joke, you create a real relationship, real situation on stage, then the funny will come. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful because we live in a world of either yes, but, or no. And, and for me, that's the part of improvisational theater that is just wonderful. And just, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, um, Heather and Fox and I go way back, oh. and they actually helped with the initial design of Drug Story Theater. And it was it was Heather and Vox who really said, why don't we use improvisational theater with kids who have substance abuse difficulty? Remember that? Yes, I did. It, uh, it's it, uh, the, the the reason that I, I think that I went there is because for me, improv. When I'm on stage and, and performing, I am absolutely present in that moment. And it is, um, I would say, a form of, oh, mindfulness in a way. You, you must be completely present with your partners and with the moment. And that's not something that happens easily in the world. <laughs> and uh, I, that's one of the things I love about it. That and getting into child mind. You have, to be, you have to allow yourself to play in a way that allows you to uh, be willing to make a mistake and mess up in a very public way. Mm -hmm. And that takes trust. Mm -hmm. it really, 
it really yep. uh you really got to get rid of your ego too as i realized in level one because a trap that we would keep falling in is we'd have the perfect zinger lined up but mm -hmm. as the scene kept taking turns you realize that it's pointless to try to like take control Right, or the longer you hold on to that zinger, it's no longer a zinger, and, and you're not present with the scene, and are, it puts you in a harder spot to be able to carry on. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing, you know, about yes and uh, is, you know, Joe, as you mentioned, the, that we live in such a world of yes but or right off no. Uh, you know, I, in my work, uh, my supervision to the people I, I oversee, I push them to, you know, to have that kind of, for lack of a better term, a customer service mindset. You know, I'm not in customer service at all, but, you know, it, well, in a, in a different sense I am, I guess. But um, but it's to, to, if someone asks you to do something, your first response should not be no. I don't want to hear you saying no. I want to hear you say, yes, that's a good idea. However, here's my concern, or here's why I cannot do it at this moment. But to start with yes in an accepting way, you know, that we need, you need to have that perception, that, that kind of mindset uh, in the work. Because every time you say no, you put up a block. It stops something. Those are connections that are really important to maintain. And just like in a scene, it's the same way. You say no, it's a block, and it breaks that connection. Have you thought or been using improvisational theater uh, with other populations? We've done it with many populations. <laughs> I, I, we've, we've, we've trained yes. a lot of people um, in, in improvisational theater. I think I, I remember the youngest, the youngest group I have trained in this were about 11 years old. I was asked to train um, some Girl Scouts for their uh, drama badge. Uh, those are the youngest folks that I've ever trained. How about you guys? What you well, I, I taught improv to a group of middle school kids um, when I lived in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And um, Charlotte, Vermont. And when I, I returned to Vermont uh, shortly thereafter, um, I immediately went into early childhood, and I, I taught preschool for 10 years. And all of the theater games that I've spent my whole life doing translated seamlessly. And every lesson I, I had to give to young kids, and we're talking like threes and fours, um, all of all of the tools that I had in my theater training, especially in my improv training, made everything very effective. So, so why do you think that was? Uh, it goes back to Heather talking about the child mind. Yeah. Um, you know, as we get older and older and older, we build, we all know this, more and more walls around ourselves, um, and we hide more and more things. And, you know, kids, especially at three and four, they're just raw. They just know that they want to do, and then they do. So you take that same energy, you harness it into something creative, especially something that you're creating as a group, and that synergy happens very, very naturally. It's like watching a beehive at work. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's much, much harder, actually, if you get a bunch of adults. You get a bunch of 30-year-olds to play the same theater games. Um, it takes them quite a while to get into a groove. That's really interesting. And that's, you think, because of, of the fear of embarrassing themselves? Or just because... Oh, yes. Yeah? And the 
rules, the rules of the world and, and how we all have to act like adults at every moment and be yeah. serious and smart and know what we're talking about. Yeah, there's rules to everything that, that are about us. You have rules to your gender, to your race, to your uh, religion, to the, to the state you live in, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, you know, there are certain, you know, norms that are expected, but when you're improvising, like for us, it's, you know, we're on stage, it's, it's, you have to be unfiltered in that sense. Um, and, and strip away those things. And that's really difficult uh, for folks who have never tried it. And so, like Chris said, with three and four-year-olds, they don't have the, those, those kind of norms already you know, embedded in them. And so they're much more free-willing and, and, and able to engage. Whereas adults, it's much harder, as Chris said, to peel away those walls. Although last year we, we taught a, um, yeah. a workshop to older folks. Mm, that was uh, great. And, and it was their first time ever doing an improvisational workshop and only one out of ten people had theater experience. Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you, by the end of that workshop, people were so lit up and loving the experience for that very reason. It was freeing. I, and I'd say that the average age in that group was probably late 50s. We had someone in their early 70s, mm -hmm. and I can also tell you that uh, my mother, uh, who is 80, about 80 now, uh, just took an improv class this last uh, spring. Really? Yeah. I bet she's funny. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I bet that's incredible. I'm grinning ear to ear hearing your stories because oh, cool. it, it, it has so much energy to it, but it's... It's just wonderful to know what joy you can bring people. How did you guys get into this? How did you guys meet? Who wants to start ah. with that story? Uh, may I? I would like to start with that story. All right. So way back, was over 20 years ago? I'm going to ask over Matt. 30 years. 30 years ago now? 33 years. 30, really? <laughs> We were, oh, for you guys. No, we're talking about how we started improv. Well, so it was 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Um, there was a, um, a, in here in Vermont, in Burlington, there was a theater group that was putting on a stage adaptation of Monty Python's The Holy Grail. Never been done before. It had never been done before. I have a story about that, too. Um, I actually spoke to Eric Idle about that one time. But uh, we, we all tried out, except for Fox, and we're in this show, and then Rick is not with us. He's another member of the troupe. Um, and we were all in the stage adaptation of Monty Python, the Holy Grail, and Rick, in his inimitable way, said, you know what would be really great? If we did an improv uh, improv comedy workshop. workshop, and all, we can all do that. And somehow we got uh, Fox involved. Because it was because of Matt. Um, Matt dra dragged me to go. Um, I was moaning and, and groaning about having decided to not do Holy Grail, even though I could recite it from memory from the movie. Um, and I'd never done any theater before. And Matt was like, hey, this is happening. You really, you'd, you'd love it and all this. And so I, you might be good at it. I begrudgingly went, <laughs> and it's been the best freeing thing in my life. It's therapy. So we all, we, uh, we finally all met there at, the, at that training. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Small changes have big effects. That's, that's one of the first rules of the I am. So that small mm -hmm, yes, change has a big effect. And look how many people you've affected uh, by having uh, kamikaze comedy. How did you come up with the name? Ah, ah. that's a story. 
that's a, that's fantastic. We started off as a different troupe, uh, the first improv troupe in Burlington, and then there was this very interesting um, split that this uh, this fissure division that happened. We had our own Yoko Ono moment. Yeah, there was a Yoko Ono moment, <laughs> and um, Fox and Matt uh, left the troupe with one other fellow that was used to be the troupe. His name is Chris Butman. He's a wonderful musician. He's still playing uh, music nowadays, and uh, they started the troupe. So, guys, how did you come up with that silly name? Well, now you can call your troupe like Houseboat or Shatner's Toupee or something. But at the time, uh, we were very literal. We wanted to make sure that comedy was in the name. Because also, this takes you back to 1995. And this is when uh, there's no whose line is it anyway on TV. Uh, that came a couple years later, and you had to have a dish, and you had to have, you know, uh, nobody knew what improv was. So we were going to put on the poster something that had to have the name comedy in it. And somehow we thought that it had to be like we were thinking Black Diamond Improv, something exciting like Banzai! Exclamation Point Improv, these kinds of things are comedy. And so finally Kamikaze Comedy, because it has that alliteration and the, uh, that first syllable, it just sort of rolled up and we're like, hey, that sounds pretty good. And then we thought when, it, when we first came out, it was like, ooh, with the tagline of, you know, it's improv. It either flies or it dies. And from a historically now very um, lack of tasteful concept, but the name stuck. Uh, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> in the literal sense, what you're doing is divine wins. Oh, we were still That's in the other right. troop. Divine wins. Uh, Chris and I had stayed in the other troop because we still wanted to do regular theater. We still wanted to. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Love those stories. Kamikaze comedy. So so what is humor? Not just what is comedy, but what do you make of that? What, what is humor from your point of view? There you are. You guys are involved in this every day doing this. Why do people laugh? Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I, I got kind of shrinky. I'm sorry. But but really, that, this is part of what we're doing, right? I mean, you guys are People up there laugh, performing. They want to laugh. Well, let's start it there. It okay. feels good. Yeah, let me... Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. You know, pe they show up to laugh. Um, and, you know, earlier we were talking about when we do our work, it's best to tell a story and the laughs will come rather than go right for the laugh. I don't know how many times... I've gone right for the laugh, and then I had nothing left to yeah. give, right? Yeah. Um, but it's part of what's making people laugh, especially in an environment like a club or a theater, is because you're making a connection. It's just like when two friends laugh. Um, but it's, it's so true because, again, you know, part of the I am, you control no one, you influence everyone. And you get to choose what kind of influence you want to be. And there is something so physiologically primitive and yet wonderful about having a really good laugh. You know, I mean, there's just something amazing about mm. it. Having a really good laugh. Changes your day. It, it can change, absolutely change your day. So um, I, I got a chance to... to Immune response, doesn't it, doctor? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, Heather. Would you like to? Would you like to say more on that? 
actually question. been shown to help the um, immune system respond better. Um, laughter. It's true. Faking it. Yes, even if you're faking your laughter, it, laughter actually helps your fight off uh, disease. It's true because it actually decreases the cortisol response, and the cortisol response is involved in oh. increasing the immune response. Because mm -hmm. the cortisol response was part of our flight branch of fight flight, and we actually, when we are running away from something, when we are afraid of something, we actually are increasing our immune response in case we get bitten by a saber-toothed tiger. So, because then we want to fight off the disease. The, there's a, there's a, um, a, another, you asked earlier what other populations have I uh, used this with, and um, I've used it in, in like teaching communications uh, to different groups of people, how to communicate with each other. So I've used it uh, working at Castle with um, some of the, the adolescents that were there. I've used it teaching parenting classes for um, a Division of Family Services in Indiana when I lived there. Um, and uh, I, I use it in my marriage uh, in, uh, when we have uh, some challenging moments. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's yes, all kinds of... Yes, we do. <laughs> there you go. I, I think that's great. I mean, what a great skill for for anybody to have, but especially for couples. You know, there's, there's something about humor. I mean, it's just incredible. So I, I, hope, I hope Carol doesn't mind my wife, but I will share this, like, humor moment. Carol and I rarely fight, but we, we did have this argument, and at some point she says to me, I'm sorry I make your life so miserable, which, <laughs> which is a very dangerous thing to respond to as a husband. So, you know, I... I paused. You? <laughs> I paused and I said, I never said you made my life miserable. And Carol said, Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> and, and then we started, and we started laughing, and it was over, yep. you know. And but but having humor in a relationship is so powerful, um, you know, in in a way that. You know, I mean, there's love, there are all those things, but humor, to share that moment where you can just say, okay, I'm not going to fight anymore. There's no need to. Let's, let's do something else, and then we can start talking. So do you guys use that humor part in your daily lives? We have, well, All the time. Couple, absolutely. A couple of things, Joe. One is, I mean, it's through comedy improv that Heather and I met. Uh, um, so that's you know the foundation of our relationship, and we actually contemplate uh, because of our you know other day jobs, so to speak, uh, you know retiring and, and opening up shop and doing couples counseling, just the two of us, and using you know a lot of kind of yes and improvisational mindset uh, as as a, our therapy modality. That'd be and, uh, you know, I think there's really a lot of value to that. I think, you know, we joke about it, but, you know, that's one thing that Heather and I say, you know, when it comes down to it, we get really serious about that, that, you know, that's, that's a huge basis of our relationship is to say yes and to each other, you know, as often and, and uh, as regularly as, as possible. Right, dear? And it's even funnier. <laughs> Go on. Well, there's, there's a thing called should have said. And uh, this is a scene where when they ding a bell, you have to say pretty much the exact opposite of what you just said. 
and I've used this in my life. I start a sentence, and I get partway through the sentence, and I realize that I, the way I've originally thought of ending the sentence is going to be a very poor choice. <laughs> and, and I'll pivot in the middle and, and say what I should have said the first time. And so and the person is none the wiser, uh, and it works out really great. Uh, but the, one, one thing about improv that people don't know is that it's really easier than it looks. When it's done well, it looks like magic, and people will accuse you of scripting it or planning it ahead of time. That's the biggest compliment you can get. But it's um, it's, uh, it's just positive. It's just saying yes to everything. And, and that's, yeah. that's something that, boy, we sure could use more of in our world where we have so many people stopping each other judging each other the, the tribal mentality that we have going on right now it's right. so hard to, to there's move no room that. for there's no room for judgment in improv like matt said earlier once you've said it it becomes truth yeah. and so you know that's the rule yeah uh, uh, unfortunately we, we we have to uh we have to be cautious about once you said it becomes truth but we're not going to get political here what we're going to do though is we're just about out of time one last thing from each of you. Why, in one sentence or two, why did you do it? Why did you do comedy? Heather, why don't you start? I feel great. I love it. It makes me happy. Fox? Uh, it's, a, it's therapy for me. Uh, it's, it's best, you know, runner's high anyone could ever imagine. Who's next? I'm Matt. Um, I get to do it with the people I love and I'm comfortable with, and you get to set up the scene in a way where you just build it together, and you know that it's going to pay off in the end. Chris? And uh, Chris here, I, as I stated earlier, have a compulsive need to have people looking at me all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sorry they couldn't do that on the radio, but oh, folks, that's okay. I've been thanks. Told I have a the radio. Thanks so much for calling in tonight, guys. We'll catch you Thank soon. You Bye, much. Kamikaze Comedy from Vermont. And, folks, we'll talk with you next week.